Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Feasy. Yeah, I've been in England a while and um, I just want to thank um, Greg for doing the services for the last couple of weeks and also Bishop uh, Karen and uh, all that she's done. I've left my notes over here, so I'm just going to go and get them. Um, yeah, Bishop Karen and uh, all, all they did. And I so appreciated uh, you know, what Greg brought to that and it's, uh, it's lovely to have him uh, do that. And so, you know, we did the sort of coming of the cosmic Christ, and before that we did the 10 Oxiding Pictures, a series. And it's always difficult to decide, you know, what are you going to do next? How do you do that? Now, if, you, if you're in a sort of, I would say, ordinary church, it's okay because you've got the lectionary. And the lectionary, for those of you who don't know, is, you know, for one thing, the churches hardly agree on anything. Well, they do agree on some things. But one thing they do agree on is the lectionary, which is all the readings that go all the way through the year, and so you don't really have to choose what you're going to do because when it is the parable of the sower, it is the parable of the sower and stuff like that. But we have to sort of decide where are we going to go now and, and what are we going to uh, do now. And we take a sort of more intuitive approach. And so, you know, we've come out of Christmas and we're now in Epiphany. And we're moved, we've moved past the new year and when I think about it, I think our eyes naturally, I mean, if you're in a Christian church, when you're in this stage, they do naturally fall towards Easter. That's the sort of next bit that, you know, you get towards. And I just sort of really thought that the, the journey uh, that Jesus took to Jerusalem over the last few months in his ministry is really a pilgrimage. That, that was a pilgrimage. And I just felt that with that, us looking towards Easter, you know, that whole idea of pilgrimage is something uh, that we can look at. And I think it seems natural, um, you know, as we look at towards Easter, which is on April the 9th, uh, and we look at the idea of what that pilgrimage might be. And over these weeks, we're going to look at many subjects uh, that relate to the idea of pilgrimage. Uh, you've got the idea of, you know, what's the purpose in going on a pilgrimage, the intention, starting, completion, the endurance of pain, um, the pleasure of surprise, the unknown. I, I mean, it, it, the, the, the theme of pilgrimage will just keep giving in terms of different themes within it because it contains so much, I think. Um, and today, what I want to do is to look at the idea of pilgrimage itself, as, you know, what it is. And, and it comes, the word pilgrimage comes from the, the, the English term pilgrim, uh, which originally comes from the Latin word peregrinus. Peregrinus comes from two words, per, which means through, and ager, which means field or country or land. So really, it's through the land. That's where the word pilgrim comes from. It's the idea of a foreigner or a stranger or someone on a journey or a temporary resident. And to that extent, I think our lives are a pilgrimage in that we are all temporary residents. You can see how big I can make this, this go if I want to, but our, our lives are a pilgrimage. We're temporary residents on a journey, foreigners, a stranger in a strange land. That term used by Robert Heinlein 
for his book. Anyone know where it comes from in the Bible? Anyone know where Strange in the Strange Land? Well, first of all, uh, I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, the very first Jew, Abraham, introduces himself to the people of Heth as a resident alien, as a stranger. And Moses named his first son Gershom because, he says, he was a stranger in a strange land. So you've got this idea of strange, this pilgrimage idea there. And in 1 Peter, Christians are referred to as aliens or strangers in the world. So to some extent, the whole idea of the spiritual journey, the ones we undertake, those who undertake spiritual journeys really are in fact, strangers in the world that they live. Because if you're, in the, if you're taking a spiritual journey rather than a journey in the world, you've got different horizons. So you, you are strangers in the world that you live. And from the 14th century, the, I, I feel I ought to have a pointer and be showing this bit of a lecture. From the 14th century, we have to set up, this is going to run and run, so I've got to set the terms. From the 14th century in England, the word pilgrimage became an act of journeying through a strange country to a holy place, a long journey undertaken by a pilgrim. And I'd like to contend, I am going to contend, that anything undertaken with a spiritual perspective, anything undertaken with a spiritual perspective, is in fact a pilgrimage. Your journey to the chapel today, if you're here in person, and thank you for being here in person, is a kind of pilgrimage in that you are hopefully in search of the holy and you have traveled here and you have arrived here. Our daily practice is a pilgrimage in that we travel through the strange land that is our minds to arrive at the holy place. Uh, and the holy place is the focus of, of our meditation. So, so your whole, doing a spiritual practice is, is a little pilgrimage in itself. In fact, our whole life is a pilgrimage in that we travel through all the strangenesses in our world to get to the holy place that is our death. So your, your life is, is a journey towards that. I must say, I'm always so glad to hear children in the chapel, that the noise. I always, I always go up to people when they first drive, and I know that the travelers know this, but I always say, you know, Please don't take your children out if they make a noise because we so prefer to hear the noise of children than to not hear the noise of children. So I just want to say we are so well, we so love having it. Have children downstairs as well. It's absolutely lovely. Um, so our daily practice, our whole life is a pilgrimage. And for me, the defining element in pilgrimage is the context of the holy or the sacred in what we're doing. That, I think, is the defining element. What makes something not a pilgrimage is, is that it doesn't have a context of holiness or sacredness. There is no sacred intent. However, I'd also like to argue that even these journeys are pilgrimage, pilgrimages because they're undertaken, those people undertaking them are just not aware of the spiritual dimension of the road that they're traveling on. They're unaware pilgrimages. Um, and then there are traditional pilgrimages like walking the Camino or going to Lourdes or going to Locke or, or Jerusalem. P- 
people, you know, make pilgrimage to their place of birth or place of origin. They're those traditional pilgrimages. Now, I'm going to go and grab my microphone. Matt, I'm going to grab the microphone. So I know I'm going to say, who here has actually been on a pilgrimage to, you know, right. So, okay, so where, where, I know where you've been, but I'm going to ask you. Where, where did you go on your pilgrimage? Uh, we went, we've done two. One was in Spain to Santiago de Compostela. Yeah. And then one was another... Uh, Camino, but it started in Portugal. And yes. Went up to Santiago. I, I'm, did it have an effect on you? And you, what, what, what was the? Absolutely. What was the? Did you, I mean, we might ask you, and I'm doing this in front of everybody to do one of these talks on your pilgrimage. Maybe you think about that. We can talk about it later. But uh, what, what effect did it have on you? It's the the impact of doing something day after day after day. Yeah. Whether it's seven or. 14 or 30 is that stuff comes up in that process. Yes. Stuff that you you can't just sit and say, okay, I want to remember that so I can let it go. Yeah. It's the st- it just comes up. And that's what I noticed and that's what stuff I just comes up. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Some of it you didn't even know you had. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Good. Anybody else Richard, did you see you be yeah, yeah there we are Camilla. You've been on, on a pilgrimage as well. Where, where were you going on your pilgrimage? I did the Camino. You did uh, the Camino. And um, what, for me, I came away with, it was like life. You had highs, you had lows, you had boredom, you had excitement, you had exhaustion, you had all of it. Um, and also going to Jerusalem. Was very you went to Jerusalem as well, did you? Yeah. yeah. And did you did you decide that was a pilgrimage as well, the journey to Jerusalem? Yes, yeah. I did. I like the food. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Anybody else uh, been on a? Uh, oh yes, there we are. There we are. Fantastic. Yeah. Tell us about about how. Yeah, I would say every time I do a solo backpacking trip, it's yes. a pilgrimage, and I didn't know that on my first one, but I realized it in the course of it. Um, and I was working through my mom's death and climbed Mount Katahdin in Maine and, and decided I was going to do this for the rest of my life um, at different times as a pilgrimage. Kelly, that's, that's so interesting. You're deciding that you're going to you know, go up a mountain really in honor of, of your... Was it your mom's death, you said? Yeah, your mom's death. That that's, you know, enables you to process all those feelings and thoughts, doesn't it? Alone. Alone, yes, exactly. Scott, no, you're not coming. That's great. Anybody else? I mean, just interested in who's... I'll probably do this each week, anybody uh, who's been on a pilgrimage, just to get those ideas. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much for, for this. And, of course, you know... Um, I'll put this over here just in case it's... Uh, and, of course, the origin of the United States is one of pilgrimage, uh, in that, you know, the... the uh, the pilgrimage of the founding fathers, known as the Pilgrim Fathers, they traveled as strangers to a strange land for the sake of their religious freedom. So, you know, the, the whole country is founded on the context of pilgrimage. And many of us here in the Valley have traveled here for similar reasons, whether that be religious freedom, like myself, uh, or freedom to practice that other religion of this area, which is the, uh, the religion of the Monastery of the Mountains, whether that be the freedom to ski or to hike or just to breathe the mountain air. People have come, you know, for that. And I think pilgrimage begins with a desire 
for the better. It begins with a desire for the better, a desire for improvement, a desire to go deeper, like with Kelly and her mum, to go deeper. And in the 10 ox herging pictures that we looked at last year, that first picture, searching for the ox, if you remember that, that is the start of all pilgrimages. Searching for the ox is the start of all pilgrimages. We're looking for that which we sense is there, that others have told us is there, but which we want to find for ourselves, whether that's an inner journey or an outer journey. In fact, you know, going back, the whole of the ten ox herding pictures is, in fact, one big pilgrimage as the ox herd moves through unfamiliar territory in search of enlightenment, and then eventually, as in all pilgrimages, we arrive back where we started. As it, that lovely poem from the Four Quartets, as Eliot puts it, we shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Through the unknown remembered gate, when the last of earth left to discover is that which is the beginning and the source of the longest river, the voice of the hidden waterfall and the children in the apple tree not known because not looked for but heard, half heard in the stillness between the waves of the sea. There's so much about pilgrimage in the four quartets and we'll be coming back to it over the next few weeks um, as we you know, make our own pilgrimage through this land. So to look at life through the lens of pilgrimage is, I think, to imbue all of life with the spiritual dimension that gives it meaning. That's why I think it's such a great topic. Because it's just saying, hey guys, look up, look out. You know, you're on a pilgrimage whether you know it or not. Now, what is the context of your pilgrimage? You know, are you going to make this a pilgrimage or are you going to pretend you're just dogging along in life? You know, and just not paying attention to what's really happening. You know, when you make a pilgrimage, when, when you're on the journey, you, it's not dogging along in life. It, there's something intentional about it. You're thinking, right, I'm going to get meaning out of this. And if we're not saying that about our lives, then we're just, do you have that expression in America, dogging along? Dogging along is when you just, you know, just dog along in your lives and you just don't really pay attention like a dog. He needs food and, you know, bits and, you know, you just, you don't really care. That's what happens. Um, so you imbue all of life. in That fantastic line from the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. That's what pilgrimage is about. Give us this day our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. To see our lives as a pilgrimage is to give ourselves permission to see the hidden meaning in all the things that we do. We're saying, right, I'm going to give myself permission to see meaning in this as I stand in the grocery line, you know, in City Market. You know, I'm going to give myself permission to see the meaning in this. I'm going to, it's to open our eyes to see that which, but for the context of pilgrimage, would be not visible to us, like, like uh, Eliot says. You just don't see it because it's not visible. In pilgrimage... And you're actively looking. You're looking all the time in pilgrimage. We're looking towards our end result. We're looking for signs that will take us 
towards the end results. We're looking for meaning in what we're experiencing. And we're looking for the path in front of us to reveal itself. When you're not looking for the path, it doesn't reveal itself. I remember when I went on a trek to Nepal. And you have your Sherpas and porters. And they go off ahead of you. And, you know, they set up your tent and all that sort of business. But we weren't really looking. We went on miles past the place. We were. They had to come and get us because we weren't paying attention. So we just, and if you're not paying attention, you go off in a different direction. We're looking for the path to reveal itself. But when you're not looking for the path, when you're not looking for the path, it doesn't reveal itself. But when your eyes are open, there it is. It reveals itself to us as we go along our way. And by discernment, we take the path that's probably not the highway that the world offers, but the narrow path. I'm sure when you do the Camino, you don't, there's no four-lane highway, is there? You know, right, I'm in the car. I'm going to do the Camino in the car. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. You know? I'm going to put Enya on the, on the radio, and I'm going to do the Camino in the car. No, it's not like that. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and perhaps even having a better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less travelled by. And that's made all the difference. That famous poem by... Robert Frost, The Road Less Travelled. That is the story of a pilgrim on a path. I took the one less travelled by, and that's made all the difference. That difference is what you find when you characterise your life as a pilgrimage. You start to see the difference when you characterise your life as a pilgrimage. You find the difference between the ordinary, just being ordinary, and the ordinary revealing itself as extraordinary. That's the difference. It's the ordinary. When you're dogging along, the ordinary is just ordinary. But when you're on pilgrimage, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Suddenly the path opens up to us. Like those, have you seen those, those magic eye pictures? I, I, I've used them before. Those magic eye pictures, when you look at them, they're just like, like nothing there, but you go, you know. And suddenly, whoomph! A 3D image, because you're looking, and you have to look in a certain way, and it's revealed. And if you're interested, I've left some there for anyone who wants to have a go afterwards, after the service. But they, 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 if you look at them in a certain way, you can see the 3D image. And uh, it's the same when you're you know, on the idea of pilgrimage. Knowing you're on a pilgrimage, you're looking, looking, looking. And there, in the ordinary light of day, the extraordinary nature of the present moment is revealed to you. The other dimension to our life is witnessed. The other side, when you know you're on pilgrimage, you start to see the other dimension in life. It reveals itself to you. Eliot again. At the still point in the turning world, 
neither flesh nor fleshless, neither from nor towards, at the still point, there the dance is. But neither arrest nor movement, and do not call it fixity, where past and future are gathered, neither movement from nor towards, neither ascent nor decline, except for the point, the still point. Except for the still point, there would be no dance, and there is only the dance. I can only say, there we have been, but I cannot say where, I cannot say how long for, for that is, not, that is to place it in time. That is where you are, that in that still point when you're on pilgrimage, and the world is turning around you. The still point is our path, and the ability of the cosmos to lead. When you're in the still point, the cosmos leads us on whether it be in the moment-by-moment moment of everyday life or in the grander scheme of things when we make big decisions in life towards the ultimate goal of our pilgrimage, the ultimate goal of our pilgrimage, which is, of course, knowledge of the eternal. That is the ultimate goal of our pilgrimage. It is knowledge of the eternal. It's not, it's not that we want to be somewhere else, because as Eliot says, the eternal is not somewhere else. The eternal is not somewhere else. It's just that we want to see the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of life that we are already living in. Because as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven does not come from your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of heaven is within you. That is what we're looking for in pilgrimage. We're all actually seeking something that is within us all the time. But we use pilgrimage. We use it, whether it be to a defined place or the pilgrimage that's in our lives, we use it to change the landscape around us and therefore reveal that which is constant within. When you change the landscape around, you suddenly become aware of the constant that's within in pilgrimage, a bit like in Lent, you know, you strip away the mundanities of everyday life that's replaced by the moving landscape that's around you. And thereby, we recognize that which is essential to us on our journey, the one that we're making. Because it's, it's moving around, you really have to be aware of what, what you're taking with you. Now, we may think that it's essential to us you know, we may think things are essential to us, but on pilgrimage we realize that we actually can discard them. On our journey we may th to Camino, we may think we may, may need our mobile phone and that we need Wi-Fi and all the things along the way, but as we go along we may realize that it's not that essential. Conversely, we may begin to see the intimacy that we have with our fellow pilgrims is something that our everyday life we were taking for granted. But now on our pilgrimage, we see that this is one of the essentials. And so when we arrive at our destination, we take home with us the knowledge of what's essential and what's not. That's how we learn on pilgrimage. We also learn to see how our minds try to rationalize the path we're taking rather than having it reveal itself through us looking, looking, and looking. The mind tries to analyze where we should go, but looking is what will tell us. 
Our minds fill us with hopes and expectations, with ideas, you know, that this is a good path, this is a bad path, with opinions and attitudes about the people we meet and the places. Our minds are giving us a constant commentary. But pilgrimage reveals to us the temporary nature of our minds. That these are temporary thoughts. The attitudes that change, the hopes that are dashed, the expectations that turn to disappointments. Not only are we looking, looking, looking on pilgrimage, but we are learning, learning, learning. The whole point of pilgrimage is to learn, to find out what we can rely on, what can we rely on and what we cannot rely on. That is the spiritual path, to learn to live life more skillfully. So, you know, as we begin this journey into pilgrimage, I think we see three things. One, that to assign something as a pilgrimage is to create a spiritual context around that which we're doing. Two, that the path of our pilgrimage reveals itself if we can get our minds out of the way sufficiently. And three, that pilgrimage is a place of learning, a classroom for life where all the props of normality are stripped away so that we can learn what is essential in our lives. And whether we're on the quest for the Holy Grail, like one of the Knights of the Round Table, or simply walking the ditch line in snowmass, what we're seeking on pilgrimage is a glimpse of the eternal. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.